Grapple fans, and welcome to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something, and it's Meltzer Five Star Project. Yes, we finally, in the middle of February, reached the end of the first week of January for all the matches that Dave Meltzer rated five stars or higher. But in the intervening period of us reviewing those matches and those matches happening, another match came along, unsurprisingly, from New Japan that Big Daddy Meltzer gave the five-star rating to as well. So it continues on. You wait another week for the Sting <laughs> Lex Luger Steiners match. But Do you this... know, I'm going to have to listen to that because I remember nothing about that match now. <laughs> we still haven't recorded an outro for it. And by we, I mean your co-host Lorcan Mullen. And with you as always, it's your other co-host. Simon Cross. So Simon, what match has happened since Wrestle Kingdom? that has got Dave Meltz going five-star crazy once again. It's Sting and Lex Luger. Hey. No, it's not. <laughs> it is sexy dad bod himself, Hiroshi Tanahashi, challenging for the never-open-weight title against the dragon, Shingo Takagi. A man that's been very frequent on the Meltzer five-star ratings recently. He was one of the matches in that first week of January to get the five-star rating when he defended the title successfully against Jeff Cobb. So here we are now, a month later, and he's defending it once more, like you say, against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, I remember when we discussed the Intercontinental Championship all those years ago, where through some quirk of fate and of you not really thinking it through, we ended up having the Miz down as our definitive Intercontinental Champion. One of the things I said about the secondary title is that it feels like it should be a key point of progression in a wrestler's career, and either they stay at the intercontinental level, or they go beyond it, and never need to go back to it again. Shawn Michaels, or Bret Hart, or Diesel, or Triple H, you would have thought, wouldn't need to go back down to the intercontinental title after winning the world title. It'd be a step down. It's like... No boxer who's won the world title will then want to go back and try to win the European or the Commonwealth or the British belt. It's just not in their... It's not on their radar. No, it's... Yeah, exactly. Not on their radar. That's the perfect way of putting it. But now you get guys like floating backwards and forwards between that. Like, now that Kevin Owens has finished his run at time of recording, coming close to the finish in the end of his run with Roman Reigns for the Universal title. More than likely, he'll be challenging for either the Intercontinental or the United States title before the end of the year, and probably winning it at some point. And then maybe winning the Universal ta- Championship, and then winning the United States Championship, and back and forth and back and forth. And I don't like that personally. I like a tiering of championships. But where it can work is in this match because there's always been Tanahashi has been on a on a really interesting journey since his unexpected final peak when he defeated Kenny Omega and sent him packing a couple of Wrestle Kingdoms ago. Almost immediately after that he loses to Jay White for the 
heavyweight title and has really been on a on a downward trajectory since then. Losing to Chris Jericho at Wrestle Kingdom, never being anywhere in close for contention with the G1 Climax to the point I think he only ended up with six points at the last G1 possibly. It definitely was a losing record he finished on. That's not good for our one in a, a once in a century athlete, is it? Well, yes, but that's what's fascinating with how New Japan plot a course of a wrestler's trajectory that they have that young lions period where they get their asses handed to them by everyone and they get better and then usually they become the best of their young lions class based on their seniority then they go abroad and they come back and sometimes they go straight to the top like coke harder and uh jay white did essentially i like how you called him coke harder there you're thinking of red hair ricardo which comes up later on in his career whilst others it's still a a journey along the way like it's gonna be a good long while before the great okan wins the heavyweight title if that were to happen if that's where we end up yeah yes even in the juniors division master wato is not suddenly beating everyone immediately yeah you'll have the same when yuyi Mira, when yota suji when gabriel kid and when we get the returning shooter Umino. I cannot wait for either Shooter or Gabriel Kidd to win a championship in New Japan. I'm gonna lose my mind. I uh, I I need to go. I need to go. I need to go on a little aside about Gabriel Kidd here. The first time I saw Gabriel Kidd in the flesh in a wrestling ring was at Leicester City Wrestling at uh, I think it's Brockington College like sports hall, and he was doing Lads Vegas with someone else, someone undescript. And because it was quite a family-friendly show, they didn't drink booze. They like they downed Robinson's fruit shoots. And my mate, who's always like one of the mates I went with, he was always like the attitude era was the peak of wrestling kind of thing. And he was like, "What is this? I hate this." So ever since then, whenever we came across Gabriel Kidd, he like hated him. And like Gabriel Kidd weirdly ended up being the replacement for Alberto Del Rio when he fought John Morrison at. Delete WCPW, which we also went to. That's a hell of a changeover. I recently sent him a picture of Gabriel Kidd's a match graphic where he's going against Okada, and I'm just like, look, look, our boy's doing it because me and my other friend love the fact that he hated Gabriel Kidd so much. I've become a Gabriel Kidd fan out of spite, and I'm just charting his career, and he's just doing absolute bits, and he's shredded as out now. Yeah, it is pretty crazy when you look at the slightly pudgy William Regal look-alike in world of sport he was carrying timber then compared to what he is now i must stress that i am not a supreme athlete i'm in no position to judge (laughs) but yeah like i said there's that clear trajectory and then they have their peak years and that might last for 10 years or so and unless you're an all-timer you're gonna make the slow descent down and even if you are an all-timer you'll make that slow descent down Especially the ones that are sort of the lifers. You, I mean, you just look at the third generation now, how they've gradually, one by one, they sort of fell out of contention in the G1 climax to the last one. Well, Kojima never got his farewell G1, actually, but Yo- Yuji Nagata did. And he ended that G1, I think, with two points. So they do it like probably the first G1 he did, he probably got four or six points equivalent of that. So you could kind of chart it through their G1 climax process. Like a pyramid. Yeah. And the whole story of Tanahashi really, like I said, since Jay White beat him, has been that his body's given up on him and he just can't do what he once could do. And you see the way that in this match, the way that he seems to hobble whenever he runs the ropes. 
or especially as the match progresses. He's also got the whole cauliflower ear thing, like as his ear gets more cauliflower, and it's like, it's sort of like, <laughs> it's not like Dorian Gray's picture because he's deteriorating as well. Well, he's not though. Physically, on, this, on the outer shell, he still looks like, in, like a, a, a handsome fellow, but maybe his ear is Dorian Gray's picture. I mean, he's a specimen, and he's still able to go, and he's still got his brain. And what I loved was that it reached that final point that he was able to get over this slump with his victory over the Great Okan at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah. And straight after that, it's like, okay, I feel like I've got to recenter myself. What am I testing myself against now? And what the never open weight title, being the third tier title in the promotion, is it's like a, that could almost be a where do I stand? And I think with Tanahashi, he so associates himself with a championship that. To be a champion is still what he needs. I think there's a sliding doors element to it in that Shingo is hot property and Tanahashi's seeing that and going, I can test myself against Shingo. I'll I'll know where I am as a person when I take on Shingo. And I think with Shingo, it seems like the story with him in New Japan is that sense of I did everything that I could do in my home promotion and I've come here to test myself against what? the biggest promotion has to offer and so far he's still just coming up short in the big matches in the g1s he loses to naito he loses to okada but he gets he gets the people that are of the level that he's at now he can beat an ishii he can beat a goto he's a fish that's been put into a bigger pond but he's slowly eating up some smaller fish and he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, very slowly. Yeah, yeah, he utterly destroyed the juniors division and pretty soon was just too big for it in more than one way. <laughs> I was going to say, that man is not a junior when you look at them physically. The only person in the juniors division that was his equal was Will Ospreay, who similarly was making that move up. He was floating between the two divisions at that time as well. Yeah, and Ospreay was actively trying to do so, whereas I'm not saying Shingo wasn't, but you just look at him and it's it's just huge but with shingo he was the ace of dragon gate and he wants to test himself against the aces or the potential aces of new japan to see if he can measure up to them and i think it's that sense of it's a step up but a, a step up he might finally get there it's like a player moving up from whatever like club the championship to uh yeah 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 it's like it's like ollie watkins coming up from brentford to villa and gradually finding his feet but for every ollie watkins there's a oh what's the one that's at dwight gale or or you look at christian benteke could do it at the aston villa level if you to say that's dragon gate but he couldn't get it done at the liverpool level if you're gonna say that's new japan and i say that through gritted teeth <laughs> It still hurts. Look what they did to my boy. My beautiful. Look how they massacred my boy. I, otherwise, you agree, like, Ben Teke at Villa was just an absolute phenom compared to what he is now. He kept us up for two more seasons, though we didn't deserve to be there. Going back to the match. Yeah. The vibe I got is that Shingo sort of underestimates Tanahashi. I think Shingo thinks that Tanahashi wants to fight him on his level. Because remember how Rocky Romero was saying that the never open weight belt is the BMF belt. And it's like, is Tanahashi entering a new world that he wants to try and brawl with people? And you realise, after he gets brutalised by Shingo in the early going, what does he do? He does what he always does. He wrestles with his brain. 
He goes for the knee. Oh, dragon screws, city bitch. Drop kicks to knees, dragon screws. Hitting him with the high fly flow to the outside when it's the point that he needs to really do some damage to Takagi and also as a confidence booster of himself and the big tide turn of the match. And that is what it becomes. It becomes, it's not the BMF fight. It's Nate Diaz having to deal with Conor McGregor running away from him when he needs to. Yeah. Instead of... Walking forward, walking through the punches. Who was the guy that he fought for the BMF belt? His name suddenly escaped me. Masvidal. Oh, hi, Masvidal. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like Masvidal it will fight Nate Diaz on his terms, whereas if he goes up against GSP... GSP's going to not fight on those terms. GSP t- t- sets the terms always. So it's not a brawler fighting a guy who's trying to brawl with a brawler. It's a brawler dealing with a guy who's got the wrestling IQ and it's all about the gradual tearing him down. This is what this match feels like to me. It it feels like this is a match that will get referred to in about a year or so's time in Shingo's story. That's where he learned he's got to be adaptable. He can't necessarily think... He can't have one-size-fits-all as a game plan. Maybe he gets a little... Just a little hint of more, like, wiliness in him as, like, a New Japan wrestler. I don't know if he has to adapt as much as he has to improve his own game. He's got to become even more brutal with his strikes. He's got to become an even harder hitter. That he can, because it's not like Ishii's. I mean, yeah, I mean that is one way he could go. Because Takagi gives Tanahashi some dragon screws of his own. He's like, well, I can beat up a knee as well as you can, Mister. It seems like he's doing it in response. It seems like he's like, okay, yeah. I, I'm going to your level because you're not going to mine. It's still not him leading the pace of the match. It's still, it's still very much him being sort of drawn in. By what, what Tanahashi's doing. But in the later stages of the match, where he is brutalising Tanahashi, and it is, you know how you always said that the fighting spirit gets misunderstood, because it's not just meant to be everyone being a badass and no-selling. It's meant to be that one guy is clearly the underdog in the later stages of the match, is t- absorbing the more punishment, and it's more likely than not they're the one that's going to go down. In the final stretches of the match, it is more likely that it's Tanahashi that's going to be beaten. And there's a moment, like you say, like the the middle portion of the match is Tanahashi bringing Takagi into his his style of match. But at one point towards the end, Tanahashi does get into a striking exchange with Takagi. That really at the end, and it's like the first time that he's engaged with Takagi on that point. And Takagi literally goes, Oh, ho, ho, ho. Like he literally <laughs> says that. He's like, Oh, you're in my world now. <laughs> I'm going to hurt you, little man. But then Tanahashi, using his head in more ways than one, surprises him with a headbutt. Isn't that a wonderful symbolic move in that moment? It's a little bit jarring. Like on a sense, because I've got in my notes just before the headbutt that Shingo kind of nearly kills Tanahashi. That was unfortunate. The Made in Japan. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was like, I remember watching the match and, and I felt my body tense up and just like with uh, you know that sound you make and you don't know you're making like oh. I mean, we've covered head dropping and stuff. That was just a pure accident. That wasn't like a, uh, you know, King's Road or anything like that. It is what it is. Well, I wonder if it was meant to be an uglier than usual made in Japan because earlier he went for it and he couldn't 
execute it properly because his knee was fucked. Yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from. There could be an element of, like, salesmanship in that. They got away with it. It, it seems like they got away with it. It's fine. So, obviously, there's reminiscences of maybe the greatest non-Okada match, anyway, for Tanahashi being the one with Suzuki. Where, although with that one is more of a sadistic submission wrestler, but it is that idea of him trying to incapacitate his opponents, and and like you say, just coming up with the ingenious ways to do dragon screw leg whips, catching him in the ropes and doing it when he's grounded, doing a very an inverted version of it when he's lying on his back, and and like you say, Takagi trying sort of being drawn into that world as well. But I do also just everything Tanahashi does looks good. Even when it's like he's struggling, I, that's why when he's like stumbling towards the ropes and everything, I'm wondering, is that how he runs or is that Tanahashi eliciting sympathy from an audience, making it look like he's more battered and, and beat down through his career than he actually looked? Because he can still then do a, a sudden sling blade at the end of it out of nowhere and he can go up and hit that high fly flow. He can do his wonderful leaping over the ropes to get to the which like i said is my favorite way of getting up to the top rope and exiting the ring in one fluid motion of anyone in wrestling he strikes me as a man who's like straight in the ice bath after the match (laughs) yeah hiroshi tanahashi sleeps in an oxygen tent which he claims gives him super reviving powers (laughs) that's That's a true have these little like in my head i think they're funny heckles that i never would say probably but i remember i think it was when they did the second ecw one night stand and lita said all you losers and virgins sit at home enjoying my pictures when you've never been with a woman in your life and i was saying if i was in the crowd i would have been so tempted to go hey that's a half truth (laughs) <laughs> one of my favorite like again I, i'm just going down leicester city wrestling memory lane here it's sort of like a reverse you know what leicester city wrestling needs to have as their special guest ring announcer or special guest referee or enforcer that jamie vardy lookalike bloke. <laughs> i don't know if it's obviously with the world being shut right now uh it, it it's no longer at brockington i think they fell out with like uh the school I think they do, like, work in men's clubs. Have him come out, full kit. Do you know what? I think they're on the Fight app. Uh, so, people who have the Fight oh, app... Jamie Vardy, look at <laughs> Mate, well, he might be in the crowd, but uh, I don't know if it is on the Fight app, but uh, listeners do, if who have the Fight app, do go and check out uh, a bit of Leicester City Wrestling, and you'll see the standard of independent wrestling that's based in Leicester. But anyway, my favourite heckle comes from a wrestler in that. It was the, it was the German, the foreigner, and it's like... This woman had clearly taken exception to his nationality and was just mouthing off all match at him. And he, at one point, he's like knocked out the uh, like plucky underdog, uh, knocked him to the mat, and he just goes, leans for the ropes and goes, shut up, you ugly cow! And everyone goes, oh, one of the biggest pops of the night. And she's just stunned into silence. And she went, hey, that's a half-truth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did actually have a serious point about Tanahashi before I went on that tangent. He's a wrestler who the more and more I watch, the more and more I appreciate. Like I said, he never makes you feel dumb for watching wrestling. Yeah. And some of my favourite wrestlers can have something that when, if someone walked, you know, the classic thing of my girlfriend walked in, my roommate walked in, you know, 
Which points uh, me... My boss looked over my shoulder when I should have been working. <laughs> I, I only watch it for the articles. Um, except for maybe Tanahashi when he opens his jacket to show the crowd off his abs. That's the only thing that feels like it could be truly socially awkward outside of just what wrestling is. Yeah, but then you remember how old and battered Tanahashi all by right should be and that's like that's worthy of showing off in my opinion but it's just it's that question of what's your what's what what is it about wrestling that makes it appeal to you exactly uh obviously that's based in coats in centuries of homophobia <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> did i ever tell you about the time i was at school and we're in the it room and it was a substitute teacher i think he was he was either a physics teacher or a design and technology teacher i can't remember ah, i like that uh oh uh, design and technology information technology it's both technology just whack him in there yeah yeah it's, that's what it is it's so funny cause you know like with those it things half the time half the class knew more than the teacher knows and so i just was caught going on a wrestling website just checking for some wrestling news um... Well, I think everyone was literally on the internet. It wasn't even like... I think it might have been a general studies lesson, maybe. So it was just like, do whatever the fuck you like. It's like, ah, you're looking at the wrestling, Mullen. Ah, you're looking at the wrestling. And literally, the teacher came along. <laughs> it was like, oh, bare-chested men, bare-chested men. Is that what you read to, Mullen? It's like, right, even the right. teachers are bullying quick, us. Quick time out on that, on an aside, right? I bet those people, all bare-chested men, bare-chested men, will then happily go and watch the boxing on television, which is inhabited by bare-chested men. Yeah, but their trousers, their shorts are so high now, it's all you can see of them. (laughs) Tyson Fury especially. It's like he's wearing a nappy sometimes. I fucking hate those boxers. I say go back to the old, good old Sugar Ray Leonard days of boxing shorts. (laughs) Nah, nah, if you want to go... Proper classic. Give me Rocky and Apollo Creed in Rocky Three. So you're going show many shorts. I I think we should all just strip back to Young Lion Mike Tyson, just all black everything. Just a droning sound as he makes his way. To <laughs> Quick aside, uh, you mentioned before we took that particular tangent that this is a Tanahashi is someone who, you, if someone peeked over your shoulder, you wouldn't feel ashamed about like the wrestling that he's putting on. I think one of the things that is going for it has this match has going for it. Get my teeth back in. Is the story of the match is very easy to pick up. Well, it's brawler versus technician. Yeah, but it's also like, or, or maybe look, this is me it being the English student, uh, the English student in me going. It's also um, it's old wiliness versus you know, youthful exuberance as well. Um, not necessarily just brawn versus technician. Although Takagi is only like. Four years younger than Tanahashi. I know, but he's like, he's on the upward trajectory, though. He, his pyramids are di- at a different stage. Yes, that is true, yes. Like we were saying in the Jeff Cobb one, he could very easily, very soon be challenging for the Intercontinental title. Whereas Tanahashi has gone down, and like you say, it's them meeting at two points. They defo need to split up those titles on a quicker side. Because I, I think their roster, their roster is strong enough to have three title matches with meaning. Well, we've already done absurd fantasy booking for what we do with those belts, so let's not go down that path again. I think that this is a fantastic match. I just love little nuances of it as well, that Tanahashi, when he puts on the Texas Cloverleaf, that he positions it. And and also, I think this is as much Takagi making it look as painful as possible, like how we said that Takagi is the one that makes that has made the money clip look better than anyone else has. 
And I think he made that Texas Cloverleaf look nasty as hell as well. The way that it was twisting his neck, the way that his body was arched. He does sell really, really well. Yeah. And similarly, when um, Takagi as well, when he just baits Tanahashi several times by just kicking away at his head. It's very all Japan, actually, that moment where he's just doing light kicks to get into Tanahashi's mind. Because like you say, the whole thing about Tanahashi the last few years is that he's demoralized. Kawada was always good for a uh, mocking kick like that. Like antagonizing Misawa or Kabashi into engaging with him. And that is also him trying to get him to brawl, which Tanahashi never took the bait right up until the end. And that's when it finally happens. Uh, I like that there's not an excessive long two counts or anything like that. It... They both do their like in, in fighting spirit one count in this match. Yes, they do do that. There's a short burst of it, to be fair. But it, it does kind of fall down some of those cliches of the modern day Japanese Dave Meltz five star match where it does go over 30 minutes. It does include pop ups and it does include. It's the longest never open weight title match isn't it by its conclusion we were saying we're gonna do an episode just talking about strike exchanges and how commonplace they are and like i said with this one it works because it only happens once and it's because takagi's finally baited tanahashi and tanahashi took the bait but tanahashi found a way out of it almost as quickly as possible with the headbutt and then the sling blade when takagi thinks he's got it all in control it's classic tanahashi and the fact that he can still do it but that he's now doing it on this different level. It's no longer the heavyweight title, but it it might be that he'll now... Def- well, the next one's against the Great Okan uh, at time of recording. Ooh. So it might be that, again, he's just transitioning it into Okan, and this will be Okan's belt going forward. We don't know, but I think Tanahashi could have some cool stuff with this belt, similar to what John Cena had when he was doing his... Oh, his US Open. He put so much equity back into that belt. But not in not in the making it indie-rific or anything, like, like a lot of what John Cena stuff did, which really echoes a lot of what wrestling is now. I mean, you know, fucking everyone was kicking out of the AA in those matches. But uh, and also not doing it every week. But the idea of like a varying ele- what Cody was doing with the TV title as well. I like the idea of especially it would be quite fun as well to maybe see Tanahashi do an open weight defense against one of the top juniors, like against a Hiromu Takahashi or a Show. Oh no 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 no! You're thinking all wrong here, mate. If it is a junior, Taiji Ishimori, Aboff for days sorted. <laughs> Oh my god, instead of a strike exchange, I just rub their stomach against <laughs> each sparks other. sparks flying off. <laughs> and then when they come back, it's like two cheese graters that have dueled with each other. It's actually one of the <laughs> shockingly gory moments in wrestling. Oh, So I... you could have some fun things with Tanahashi there. Instead of them reinventing what the, the never belt is. Or he could lose it just as quickly as he wins it. But I think it's just that great thing. If we've, we've got a few more years you know, touch wood, no made in Japan's landing him on his head, that there's still life left in Tanahashi, and Takagi might be about to have a year for the ages, as far as just great matches go. I think I would be surprised if this was the last Takagi match we're talking about this year for the Meltzers. But I won't quite give this five stars, but I would give it a... If I was to give it my rating, it'd be four and three quarters, that, that sort of range. I think it's near perfect. I wouldn't go perfect. But I, I liked, uh, yeah, it was really, really good. They will be up there in my 
favourite matches of the year list. I am going to give it five stars. You're such a five star slut these days, <laughs> Simon. No, uh, the... I think you were so tight when it came to things from the 80s and 90s, but now... Oh, I'm not having your, like, using Joshi wrestling to paint me as a sexist thing again. It wasn't just the Joshi stuff. I think you gave one Ric Flair match five stars. Yeah. Anywho, the reason I am giving this five stars is... Because you're a whore! <laughs> no, it's got it's got accessibility as a match, as I, as I spoke about earlier. You know what I mean? You can just plug into it so easily. This is one of those perfect matches where you can go, why do you like wrestling? This. this is, you can easily plug in all grand. So, that has been, at time of recording, the last of the five-star matches. Now, there's a decent chance that, I know that Hiromu Takahashi and Sho have had, also had a match that's gone over 35 minutes and it's New Japan so there's decent odds so that might be what we're talking about next week I can't see Ibushi Sanada getting that rating no and I don't think Ray Phoenix is booked for the dynamite that's floating around at the time of recording although to be fair whilst we're recording this Simon it's still 8 days after we record this that it goes out so there is still time 4 or 5 star match to come out somewhere oh he's got 2 right okay so it could happen and if it does then that's what we'll do next but if not the Sting Lex Luger Steiner's match will not be the next episode (laughs) because it's been too long that you haven't had a regular let me tell you something so that is what you'll be getting. We've got three concepts right now, so you'll be one of those three that you'll be getting. We were talking about doing one about strike exchanges. That is definitely going to be a, a, an episode. But I think... Actually, I'm going to say it now. Uh, I want our next Let Me Tell You Something match to be about a particular wrestler. And we discussed this, didn't we, Simon? We did, we did. And like you said, when we go for certain wrestlers, we don't necessarily want to go for the obvious ones. We don't want to talk about the Austins... The Rocks, the Hogans, the Bret Hart's, the Hiroshi Tanahashi's. We can talk about them plenty in different other um, places. But this is for the ones that maybe get a little bit, not overlooked, but not discussed in a deeper way. We previously had Kane. We've had The Miz. We had one about Michael Cole, (laughs) which sort of counts. What will be our next subject matter for Let Me Tell You Something, Simon? It will be the uh, darling of Leicester City Wrestling. <laughs> uh, no, no, in all seriousness, it's a man who's recently made uh, his return. So he is kind of on trend right now. Um, it's Edge's little brother. It's, it's, it's Christian. Said with all the passion of Todd Phillips. That'll be one of the things we'll talk about. But anyway, if people want to get in touch with you, Simon, in the interim, to maybe make some recommendations for Christian matches that we can check out ahead of time when we're trying to figure out what our Mount Rushmore of Christian moments are, how can they do so? Well, there's two sort of already locked into my head, so you've got to get them in quick, and you've got to get them in quick too. Uh, my Twitter handle, which is Simon Cross Free, free for the three diff- different flavours of fruit shoot that Gabriel Kidd drank at Leicester City Wrestling. My name is Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for... Ay, 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 what a painful dropping of the neck that was. All right, Bumblebee, man.
And N for net. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. And if you feel like throwing a few pennies our way, like we're luchadors that have just had a great match, then why don't you go to patreon.com slash lmtyspod. And if you're feeling a bit like Dave Meltzer himself, why not give us a five-star review? On iTunes. Yeah, if Simon gives it away, you should get some in return. But anyway. Hey, hey. Stop slut-shaming Nothing me. you can say. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there's nothing left to say at this point except that my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. And have a five-star time. Until the next time.